So glad you're here. We started the year off with a two-week mini-series called First Things First, and we're trying to put some order in our lives, going from chaos to order. It's what the Spirit of God did. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of the earth. Let there be light. Let there be water. Let there be vegetation. Let there be livestock. God creates order. That's what He does in your life. God's doing the exact same thing today in your life. First things first. So, we started off with a fast, a 10-day fast. How are you doing with your day so far? You look a little thinner, okay? Um, and why, why would we do that? Well, we're going to answer the big why question in just a minute. But as we left last week, um, I gave you three different things to pray for, th- three pieces to pray over. And these, were, these are still the right things to do. So if you missed last week, do a three-day fast with us. If you started last Monday, finish strong, midnight, Wednesday night. Now, don't set your alarm at 12.05 a.m. Don't, don't do that and have a big piece of cheesecake or something, okay? Just hang, just wait. I, the reason I mention that is I actually thought about that. So just go to Thursday morning, start with breakfast, and everybody will be happy, okay? But um, I, I mentioned three pieces last week, and maybe write these down if you weren't here. But I said, number one, pray about your greatest concern. What's your greatest concern? What, what's, you go to bed with this on your mind and you wake up with it and it's right here. What, what's your greatest concern? Maybe it's medical, maybe it's financial, maybe it's relational. It doesn't matter. You know what it is. It's already on your heart. So what's your, what's your greatest concern? Number two, I ask you to pray about church health. All week long, three times a day, every time you're fasting, every time you get hungry, church health. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and even the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So what is God doing today? He is raising up and establishing biblically functioning communities all over the world. And we're just one little bitty church, but he's raising, raising us up. So we want to be healthy. We'll be extremely healthy. So you pray for us. You, you pray for your elders. You pray for your um, connect group leaders. You, you pray for your church. And then, then number three was... Um, it's a little bit different, but it's, it's, it's your connection to God. It is health, but it's more about the number three is your connection. So the first one is your greatest concern. The second one is church health. But this third one is your connection. You want to be connected to your heavenly father. And so we started then a 10-day fast, and we're asking you to pick two or three of your favorite foods. If they don't mean something to you, it probably won't mean something to God. So you pick something that means something to you. I was walking out that door after second service last week, and a young man was right beside me, probably a sophomore in high school, and we're walking down the corridor, the the, the, uh, hallway outside together, and I said to him, I don't know him. As far as I know, I've never, I I, I said, well, are you going to do it? And he said, yeah, I am. I said, you got your food? He said, toast. He said, I love my toast. I thought that was great. And I was so, I didn't know if it was cinnamon toast, if it was toast and butter. I, he had, it meant something to him. Now, I'm not a real toast guy. Read the book, Wheat Belly, you'll never eat toast again. But anyway, I, it, it means something to him. So you pick the things that mean something to you because that's what's important to you. All right, how many of you did some type of a beverage? Coke, coffee, look at this. Alcohol, frappuccino. Um, I, I never realized 
so many of you told me you did alcohol. I didn't realize so many of you were on the sauce. <laughs> we're going to have to do a couple more sermons on this next year. All right, how about, how about um, desserts, sweet, something sugary? Do you have sugar? Okay, a lot of you, wow, that's, that's, that's really good. I was driving back from Orlando the other night, and a friend of mine, I, I called him up, and he said, I was just cursing you. And I said, why? I think that's real nice, you know. And, and he said, because I went without meat. I chose not to have meat for the 10 days. And this guy's a real carnivore guy. And he said, I'm eating meatless soup. And he said, I was just cursing your name. <laughs> Great, I'm glad you think so highly of me. You know, that's, that's encouraging. So for 10 days, or now maybe three days for you, we're going to finish strong. Now, now it's, not, it's not a diet, although you probably lose some weight. But it, it's, it's about prayer. It's combining giving up something that means something to you so that you spend some concentrated times of prayer. You know what else? I, I, I thought about this too, and I didn't say this in the first hour, but, but I thought about this. One of the reasons why we fast early in the year is we want results all year long. And so you're going to reap benefits from this fast, not just in the month of January, but you're going to forget about what you did, but in April or September or in November, the Father is going to continue to answer all of these prayers in your life. So why would we do this? Why would we fast? That's a good question, isn't it? Well, first of all, it's biblical. It's incredibly biblical. There's 17 characters in the Old Testament who fasted. There's three different fasts just in the one character, Daniel. There's seven New Testament fasts. Jesus tells you if you want to get on the spiritual fast track in your life, if you want to grow significantly in your faith this next year, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 6, mentions three activities. Jesus says when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. Jesus never says if you pray, if you give, or if you fast. He says when, when you do this. And so, n- number one, it, it is incredibly biblical. But, but number two, aren't you curious? Aren't you just a little bit curious that if you put all your chips in the center of the table and you leaned all the way in and you went all in this year with God, Aren't you a little bit curious as to see how he would work in your life? And I think we want change. I think that's another reason why we fast. We want change. Nobody really wants to be in the same spot you're in right now, 12 months from now. But if you don't do some things differently, you'll be exactly where you are 12 months from now. So, so we all want change. And so we're coming to God saying, you know what? If I could have changed me... I would have already done it, but, but God, I can't change me, so I'm asking you to do something significant in my life. In a room this size, several of you are desperate. You're desperate for God to show up. You're desperate for God to, to heal a, a melanoma. You're desperate for God to heal a a mother-daughter relationship. You're desperate for God to show you how do I take care of these aging parents. In this room, you're desperate for a better supervisor. You're desperate for a different... Everybody in the room is, is desperate. And so a fast is where we're saying, God, we're coming to you. 
We're asking for you to do something great. Now, what is fasting? Let me give you a definition on the screen. Biblical fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. So you've asked me, about three dozen of you, does it have to be food? Well, yes, it does. Biblical fasting is, is food. And it's saying, Lord, I'm hungering and thirsting for you. And many of you have said, I have given up movies at night. That's great because you spend time praying. Some of you said, I've given up social media. You've gone on Facebook and you've said, see ya for the next 10 days. I think that's wonderful. But that's, and you can fast from social media and you can fast from movies and you can fast from TV, but that's not biblical fasting. I think it's great. Don't misunderstand me. That's a good thing to do. But biblical fasting is you're picking that coffee or that frappuccino or that meat or that beer or alcohol or vodka or whatever it is that you do. <laughs> Last year, a woman told me she was fasting from vodka. I was still sh- I'm still shell-shocked from that. Um, I thought, really? You, you drink vodka? Um, but it, re- it, it involves food. Biblical fasting is refraining from food for a what? a spiritual purpose. So let's talk about, let me give you five other fill-ins real quick here about what fasting is. Number one, fasting prepares you for the future. You're a high school senior. My goodness, I don't know what to do. You're a college senior. I'm about to graduate and I don't like my major. It it, it helps you with the future. I, I would never buy a home without fasting. I would never buy a car without fasting. I would never take a job. This is just me. I have a job, but I would never take a job, and I'm not looking, but I would never do it without fasting. Do I buy? Do I rent? Do I go forward? Do I go backwards? Do I stay in this you know, dating relationship, do I get out? I, I wouldn't do any of that without fasting. Because fasting dials you in to the Holy Spirit. Fasting gets you right there connected to your Heavenly Father. And it prepares you for the future. You don't know what to do. You're good. You're smart. You're educated. You're skilled. But you still don't have the sovereign will of God in, in your life. Number two, fasting is a means of renewing yourself spiritually. According to Walk Through the Bible, nine out of ten church people become spiritually stagnant every single year. I'm not talking about people who attend church, you know, three times a year. I'm talking about regular church folks. Nine out of ten of you, according to Walk Through the Bible, feel spiritually stagnant. And fasting, what does it do? It, it renews you. Number three, fasting puts you in the mainstream of God's priorities. Who wants to zigzag? It wastes time. It leaves you exhausted. You're fatigued. Why not go the straight line? And that's what fasting does. Lord, I don't want to waste time. I don't want to waste energy. I want to know what to do. Get me on the straight and narrow path. Number four, fasting will overcome major problems. Again, in a room this size, some of you have some issues larger than life. And you cannot see how to overcome your problems. And so fasting is you're humbling yourself and you're surrendering to your heavenly father. Number five, fasting expresses our urgency. 
God, we really want you to do something, and we want you to do something now. Now. Do it, do it in January. Give us a breakthrough. Give us a breakthrough now. Well, for our Bible study time this morning, I literally had about 70 different directions that we could go. But I chose to go, not the macro approach today, which I usually do, but a very, very um, narrow focus because I want us to look at a fast. And by the way, I've never taught on this until about an hour ago. And my entire, I never studied it, never taught about it, never really even kind of saw it until just about a couple months ago. So there's, there's three different fasts in Daniel. We've talked before about Daniel chapter 1, where Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they don't eat the king's food. Last year, we talked about Daniel chapter 10, where Daniel does a 21-day fast. We're going to go to Daniel chapter 9 today. And Daniel chapter 9 today is a prayer. And so if you're asking, like, how do I pray during a fast, that's the deal today. Daniel chapter 9 is Daniel pouring out his heart during a fast. And so maybe you're sitting there going, I'm a little confused. I don't really know what to say. I don't really know what this is all about. Well, the next few minutes, you're going to get it. It's going to be crystal clear on what to say during a fast. So just to kind of set the scene for this, remember Daniel was a young man, probably 14 or 15, when he is exiled from Jerusalem all the way over to modern-day Iraq. So he's 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 from Jerusalem all the way over to Babylon. And now many, many years have gone by, almost 70 years have gone by. So he's older now, right? He would be older, and he is remembering that they're supposed to be exiles for only 70 years. And so now he's trying to prepare himself and prepare his people to continue to fulfill God's great will. So here we are. Daniel chapter 9. We're going to skip verse 1 and start with verse 2. Here we go. Are you ready? Okay. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the Scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Israel would last 70 years. So we've been exiled from Jerusalem into Iraq for about 70 years, and we're getting ready to, you know, kind of to go back home, and let's get prepared for this. Verse 3, so I turned to the Lord. I think you should circle the word turned. There's a lot of people to turn to. There's a lot of ways to turn to something. When you have a crisis, do you turn to your best friend? Do you turn to Oprah? Do you turn to the TV? I mean, what do you turn to? Dr. Phil? I mean, he turns to the Lord. And then second of all, he's pleading. Now, that word plead is much different than the word prayer. You you, you can pray, Lord, great, love you, bless me, help me, love you, everything's cool, God, thank you for the day. That's prayer. Pleading is God, I don't know what to do. If I knew what to do, I would do. I am begging you. I need you. That's pleading. So here is Daniel, an elderly man, pleading for God to do something great in his life. And there's prayer, there's petition, there's our word fasting. Circle the word fasting. This is a fast. Daniel's fasting. I turned to the Lord and I pleaded with him in prayer, petition, in fasting. All right, look at verse 4. I prayed to the Lord my God. And I confessed. This is always the place to start is confession. God already knows who you are. Just He's wanting to make sure you know who you are. Okay? Lord, the great and awesome God, 
who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. In other words, God, your character is outstanding. I'm in a mess, but it's not because of your character. Look at the next verse. We have sinned and we've done wrong. We have been wicked. We've rebelled. We've turned away from your commands and your laws. In other words, we're, we're at fault here. Look at verse, the next verse. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in, the name, in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you're righteous. But this day, we're covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, and all the countries where you've scattered us because of our unfaithfulness. God, you're righteous, but we, we've been unfaithful. That's always a great place to start. You can't go strutting into the throne room of God. You always come humbly into God's presence. Okay? Next verse. We and our kings, our princes and our ancestors, we're all covered with shame, Lord. Why? Because we've sinned. And we've sinned against you. And that's ultimately always the focus of sin. It's always against your heavenly Father. Look at the next verse. The Lord our God is merciful. But even though we've sinned, even though we're covered in shame, even though we didn't listen, even though we did all these incredibly bad things, God, you're merciful. And you are forgiving even though, even though we, have, we have rebelled against you. Now, that's, that's amazing. Because some of you could give a testimony right now how for years you've resisted, years you did resist God, and for years you rebelled against God. You knew what was right. You knew what was true. But you just did, you just did your own thing anyway. All of us in this room could give somewhat of a testimony just like this. Look at verse 10. We've not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. I mean, all of us in this room, we know the Ten Commandments. I bet you could get six of the Ten Commandments right now off the top of your head. Don't, don't try because we're going to keep moving on, but I bet you could. I bet the Sermon on the Mount, I bet you could get about 60 or 70% of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 right now. I bet you could do that from the whole Sunday school classes. You, you've known it. Look at verse 11. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and the sworn judgments within the law of Moses, the servant of God, they've been poured out on us because we've sinned against you. You have fulfilled the word spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Your city, God, you allowed your city to be ransacked. Then verse 13. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we've not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. Kind of sounds like America. Sounds like Florida. Sounds like our counties. Sounds like our neighborhood. For goodness sakes, this sounds like my family and your family, right? We've all got people in our families who've been raised just like you, know the truth, and yet they've resisted it. They've rebelled against it for whatever reason. They've turned aside. But there's truth. There is absolute truth today. It's not relative truth. It's, it's not moral truth. There is truth. There are standards. There is an anchor that God has set up for us. Verse 14. 
The Lord did not hesitate to bring disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does. Yet, even though God's righteous, and even though the prophets came, and even though we have all this truth, we chose to rebel. That's my story. That's your story. All of us in this room, we, we, we get this. We've all been there. We've all done this. Look at the next one. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned. This is always the place to start. God, you're righteous. You're holy. We've made some colossal mistakes. We've done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger. See, he's fasting. He's not just praying. He's pleading. Turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Maybe that's your church, or maybe that's your family, or maybe that's you. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. When a Christian leader falls like this, a well-known Christian leader, it's a scorn to everybody, takes them through the mud. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor. Look with favor. Now, when you pray that kind of a prayer, is God going to go to you? Nah, I don't think so. You engage with God like that? Do you think he's not going to engage with you? Every time somebody gets humble and gets right, lays it all out there before him, what does the heavenly father do? Wow. Look at the next verse, verse 18. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. God, you're merciful. We can always come back to our Father. Our Father is always willing to listen to us. We come to you because of your mercy, not because of us. Verse 19. Lord, listen. Lord, Lord, forgive. Lord, hear. Lord, act. That's a prayer. That's a fast right there. Lord, I'm coming to you. You hear me. You listen. Do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. Wow. Look at verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, look what happens. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel the man I had seen or in the earlier vision came to me in swift flight. Now, I can't guarantee this, okay? I can't guarantee that Gabriel's going to show up in your kitchen. But I can guarantee you that the moment you start getting humble and right with God and you pour out yourself to God, I can guarantee you that your heavenly Father is going to hear your prayer and run swiftly to listen and to make amends and to do whatever he can to do. I was praying. Gabriel, the man I'd seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight. Look at verse 22. He instructed me and he said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. And isn't that what we really want? Don't we really want our heavenly father to direct our lives and give us insight and understanding. There, there are times when I've slept all night and I wake up the next morning 
and, and God's birthed a sermon in my heart. And, and I can't write fast enough. I can't, I'm, look, I'm scrambling to find a pen and a piece of paper. I can't, in 10 or 15 minutes, I got the major concepts. And I know it didn't come from me. I know God gave me insight. I know I'm not that smart. I'm not that good. And my wife will confirm both of those. Okay? He, he wants to give you insight. He wants to give you understanding. Look at verse 23. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out for which I've come to tell you. I think that's you. I think as soon as a word goes out, as soon as you begin to pray, a word goes out. Your father wants to tell you how to be a better mom. Your father wants to tell you how to be a better dad. Your father wants to tell you how to do your business. Your father wants to tell you how to respond to conflict. Your father has all this insight and understanding. He wants to just give it to you. He wants to give it to you. Seems like the more humble you are, more and more and more he pours out on you. And the more proud you become, look what I did, look who I am, I'm big and bad, the less insight and the less understanding he gives to you. Again, it, 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 it's your, your choice. So what do we do with this? What, what would be the steps that you would take from this kind of information, this kind of fast from Daniel chapter 9? Well, I've got five steps for you in the bulletin if you want to fill those, those blanks out as well. I think step number one is you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. I think that's kind of a no-brainer. Now, if you're new to church today, we're so glad you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And maybe, you know, you're not ready for that. You need to learn and grow. But have you been coming for a while? That's step one. Why? John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Maybe for you today, in just a few minutes, we'll have our prayer partners down front. Maybe, maybe today is your day to surrender to Christ, my Lord, my Savior. Number two, maybe it's time to confess your sins. You've gone through 2014, and you've really not come clean or been honest, and, and, and it's just some stuff still all knotted up within you. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and He will forgive us of all of our sins. Again, swift flight. Can't wait to hear from you. Number three, I, I would seek forgiveness and I would forgive. Maybe you've offended some people. You go to them, hey, I've, I've offended you. I, have, I didn't mean to or, gosh, I can't believe I did this. And maybe you didn't. Maybe you, maybe you didn't know what you're doing. Maybe you didn't know what you're doing. But, but I would go to them and say, I, I have offended you. Please forgive me. Um, maybe someone's offended you and, and you forgive. Why would we do this? Well, Mark chapter 11 tells us very, very carefully this. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may also forgive your sins. I would do this next one as well. I think this one is a good one. You're always asking God, fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. There's an old preacher named D.L. Moody. He's been dead several hundred years. But D.L. Moody, they would say, D.L., why are you always asking God to fill you with the Holy Spirit? And D.L. said, because I leak. <laughs> and I, I, I leak. Any other leakers in the room, okay? I, I leak the Holy Spirit. So he's, he's always praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, Ephesians chapter 5.18 says this, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with Live your life in fulfillment of the Spirit. 
And the last one is this, is to pray with, with, some, with an expectant heart. We should expect God. Swift flight, swift flight. He wants to hear our prayers. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 tells us this. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anybody who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seeks him. So look at all five of these on the screen right now. Where do you need to start? What's the right step for you? If you've never given your life to Jesus, man, I would. I wouldn't wait another hour. Maybe that's the place for you to start. Maybe, maybe you got some stuff going on there and you need to confess it and say, Lord, if I could have changed it, I would have changed it, but I can't change it. I, I want you, I'm curious as to how you're going to fix this. You confess it. Maybe you need to go to somebody that you've offended, you've hurt them inadvertently or straight up, whatever, but you've hurt them. And you go to them and you, you make things right. Maybe somebody's hurt you. and Maybe that person who's hurt you is dead. You, you can't even talk to them. Okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to let this go. We're done. We're done with this. I'm going to forgive her, forgive him. And we're going to move on. God, fill me with your spirit. I want that sweet Holy Spirit. I, I want more of you. I want to walk in you. I want to walk in your truth. And I'm going to pray expecting you to do something. I'm going to pray with great expectation that you're going to do something great in my family, in my connect group, my church, my neighborhood, my school, my work environment. I'm going to to expect you. God, boy, if my supervisor had just become a Christian, man, I would... I, I believe anything. I, I just, I'd, be, I'd be a real miracle, God. Um, you're going to ask for God to do something great in your family this, this year. So pick one. I, I wouldn't pick two or three. You won't do any of them. Pick one. Pick one. Just one. And I'm asking you to pray for your greatest concern. I'm asking you to pray for church health. I'm asking you to pray for that connection. This is about connecting with the King of Kings. Um, so let's have our prayer partners come down front. And uh, if you'd like to become a Christian today, these wonderful people are going to be down front. Why don't you stand up? With, but, but they're going to say, you know what? I, I want to become a Christian, but I'm not even sure how to do that. I'm not even sure what that means. Well, they're trained to help you with this. They actually know how to do this. M- maybe, maybe today I need to be filled with the Spirit. I need to be filled with the Spirit. I need, I need more of you in my life, God. I'm going to pray with an expectant heart. Which, which of those fits most appropriately for you? And you know what you're going to do? You're going to reap the benefits. You fast early and you reap the benefits all year long. Again, if you're new today, give us three of the best days of your life. Take two or three food items that mean something to you. If it doesn't mean something to you, it won't mean something to God. Pick two or three things that mean something to you. And fast and pray, pray and fast. Those of us that started last Monday, hang in there. We're going to make it, okay? We serve you.
We love you. And we honor you, King Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.